Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. We are back with part two of three of our locker room. That's right. It was our biggest episode ever. Had to split it into three different parts, Alex. What are we getting to in this one? There's a lot. Uh, we talk about D'Angelo Russell and Damian Lillard as potential trade targets for the Knicks. And we have pretty varying opinions on those two guys. Uh, we talk about whether the Knicks need another Mike Woodson-esque assistant for Tibbs to kind of help keep him in check a little bit, give him a you know a, a respected voice to turn to, particularly in times like the playoffs when adjustments need to be made. And we talk about how much the Knicks need to add to stay competitive this coming year. There were some underperforming teams that were in the Eastern Conference this year that are probably going to try to get better. So the Knicks are going to have to follow suit. So we talk about just how much they're going to have to do to kind of hold serve there and stay in the playoff picture like they were this year. So we get into all that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. You can catch me on Long Island calling some lacrosse. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland. And without further ado, let's get into it. A very exciting locker room episode where we talk to all of you guys right now on Locked on Knicks. All right. We got next speaker request. We got Victor Diaz coming up next. Victor, what's going on, man? Yo, what's up? What's up? Nice to see you again, man. To get to on the Android life, right? (laughs) For sure. For sure. So what's up, man? First off, I just want to say that I'm proud of our fan base because when I got on the Twitter this morning, I just saw a bunch of people thanking the team and everything. And it's one thing that we could have woken up like pissed off at life and everybody just seems to be happy that, you know, we did the run that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I talked about it on today's show too, but uh, same thing kind of happened in the garden last night. Like people got frustrated towards the end of the game naturally I was frustrated too but then it hit you know the last like two minutes or so and everybody just got up and other than stupid Trey Young doing his take a bow BS uh everybody pretty much you know just stood up and gave gave the team a standing O you know said goodbye basically for the season and thank you and all that so yeah I I agree I've I've enjoyed the the fan response as well very little in the way of skies falling stuff today which is nice yeah, it's really respectable. Um, yeah. So one thing I did see on Twitter this morning was obviously trade rumors that are going to start happening because we're hopping to skip away from the offseason. Um, two of the ones that caught my eye were, were D'Lo and Dame. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so I, I, would, I would say my takes on those two. Um, D'Lo, I think I'm out on, to be honest. Um I just I I don't see it with him as far as being like a real winning player. Uh, I just obviously he had the run with the Nets, which was tailored just right for a player like him, you know. And and they sort of 
did it, like Atkinson definitely, I mean, his, his philosophy and it was the same thing that allowed Dinwiddie to thrive so much is basically just like, you know, if you're the point guard, like do your thing, run, pick and roll all day, like shoot the lights out, you know, take as many shots as you, as you want and need to and whatever else. And, you know, I'm not saying like his numbers, his numbers were like overinflated. Like I think he earned his way to, you know, that, that like all-star reserve selection and all that stuff. Um, but I, I do think that because of his defensive uh, shortcomings, you're kind of limited with him as to how much like, and he's not an extremely efficient offensive player to the point that it makes up for that, which then of course takes you to like Dame Lillard, who he has his defensive deficiencies, but he is just so insane on offense that you can, you can mask it. Um, I would, I mean, everything comes down to price obviously, but there's, there's very few scenarios where if the, if the Knicks could get him for, I mean, you got to figure Dame would not cost as much as say James Harden, uh, just mm-hmm. based off resume and everything else. So if you're talking like a lesser James Harden package, where I guess it, it, you would almost definitely have to ship out RJ, you know, a number of first round picks, probably like three and maybe like one swap. Um, I mean, it would sting, <laughs> no doubt, but I could probably talk myself into that pretty easily because I think, I think if the, if this series proved anything, it's that Julius really needs to not be the primary guy out there, um, and you need a guy. You know, if you're going to run this this sort of st- stagnant ish half court offense that the Knicks want to run all the time, where they're not running a ton in transition, they're not like leveraging the fact that they have a pretty young team and they want to set up in half court and whatever. We just saw, like, once the playoffs hit and defenses crank up, you know, Julius isn't quite that guy to run that. Um, and I think he would be much better as a secondary guy in that scenario. And obviously Lillard, you know, is kind of, other than maybe, like, Steph Curry, he's kind of in a class of his own as far as being able to just come down and create offense, just pull something out of his butt and, you know, find a shot for himself or find a shot for someone else uh, in those those late game or just – high pressure situations that come like with the, the postseason and stuff. So, I mean, I, I would definitely, I would, if, if Lillard's available, which I don't even necessarily know that he is because it just seems like, I mean, I don't think he's going to ask out and I don't know if Portland would really have the cojones to be like, let's move on from arguably the best thing to ever happen to our franchise. Um, I, I, if, if he becomes available, I, I'd go for him all day. You know, obviously you don't want to give up, the entire team, you know, the entire cabal of young players and the entire, you know, stash of draft picks for, you know, the next eight years or whatever and do like the the Clippers for Paul George thing or the Nets for James Harden thing because you're not sure that Lillard plus Randall plus, you know, whoever else you, you keep, obviously you'd probably still have quickly and top in and that sort of thing and, whoever you draft this year out of the picks you get um, as far as young guys, you'd still have some picks going forward. Um, you know, you'd still have some cap space presumably that you could finagle going forward as well. Um, hopefully still have Mitchell Robinson. I mean, that that would be a good team. That would maybe be a team that could start threatening towards like, okay, second round, maybe Easter conference finals sort of thing. But uh, you just have to be careful about going too hard on creating a small window for yourself when, 
you already have a team literally across the river that has a short window also and is like one of the most impressive, uh, you know, combinations of talent that the league has ever seen with Durant, Irving, and and Harden. You know that that's going to be a fixture probably for at least a couple more years. Uh, so you want to be careful about about backing yourself into a corner that way. Um, but Gavin, I don't I don't know how you feel about those two guys, about Lillard and about uh, um, D'Lo there. Yeah, I mean D'Lo, I think is I, I watched a lot of him in my in my locked on Nets days. I, I think he's ultimately he's a sixth man who who doesn't want to get paid like a sixth man and doesn't really want to be a sixth man. And I I think you maybe already have that spot covered with quickly who could I, I don't think quickly is ever going to be the I, I can say pretty definitively he'll never be the kind of passer D'Lo is because D'Lo is genuinely an incredible passer I think he's one of the top like th- 20 to 30 or so in the league um, but yeah with his combination of, of no defense and a whole lot of chucking uh, uh, count me out I'm, I'm okay I'd, I'd rather you'd rather get the it's sort of like getting a 27 year old Derek Rose versus 31 year old Derek Rose give me give me the 31 year old Derek Rose who, who knows who he is and has found ways to compensate for the faults in his game versus the guy who who thinks he's a mega star um, when, when he just isn't at this point in his career. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. I'm sure you guys have gone through the not-so-fun experience of going to an auto parts store if you like to do some little repairs on your car from time to time like I do, and it's no fun. You go in there, you ask for the part. Of course, they don't have it on the shelf because it's a tiny little store. Then they look it up for you. They give you a price, and you like kind of do a double take, and they go, well, that's just what it costs. And you kind of know like they're definitely trying to get you hooked up with the most expensive part possible so they can get the most commission and all that stuff then you know they finally order it for you and you're like all right whatever and then they say all right well come back in a couple days it'll be back at our store you have to come here and pick it up we're not going to ship it to your house so you go there you pick up your part finally like a week later you sit down to do your car project and you realize how much money you've already dumped into this and time and you're like man i probably should have just taken this to the mechanic it would have been way cheaper that way and i wouldn't have had to fix it myself even though it's kind of fun But now there's rockauto.com. You don't have to do any of that. You can do everything right from the comfort of your home, on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet, whatever you want. Just head to rockauto.com, pick the parts you need. You can get it shipped right to your house, and they're always going to give you the lowest price. They don't differentiate between, you know, home mechanics and professional mechanics. They'll just sell you for the least expensive price possible and make sure that you're happy and get the part that you need delivered right to your door. I can attest I've ordered a couple parts off there already, and they even managed to beat Amazon one time. I, nobody beats Amazon. They literally cut them in half. It was it was half the price of Amazon. Unheard of. So if you want to pick up some parts for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now. See what they have for you. And if you decide to pick up a part, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And this episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. 
before the next pitch. Head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Uh, for game, similar take to Alex. I think I think there's a chance that he just asks out of Portland. There was that uh, Chris Haynes story, who that um, or, or Chris Hayes rather, who that got this all started a few weeks ago, and he, he was a guy who used to cover the Blazers and is very very tapped in to begin with. And it seemed to be like hinting at without saying that if this postseason goes bad, which we know, I mean, as of tonight. Portland could be out in the first round. Um, there's a chance that he would start looking at maybe an exit unless Portland could make some kind of dramatic move to like whether that's packaging like McCollum and Nurkic and Simons for like an, another legit star or something. Um, it, it seems more likely than not that Dame is tired of doing the same thing over and over again without getting a different result. And as long as that team is, is built around um, him and McCollum, I, I just think there's there's sort of a cap on, on how many or how far they can get in the playoffs. And they probably hit against it when they made the conference finals two years ago. So as, as much as he's, he's a good soldier and his, his whole, his whole brand. And I mean, and, and that's not to say it's disingenuous. I think it's just really who he is, is, is kind of built around loyalty and, and, and sort of staying in the fight and sticking with his guys. Um, I think it's, it's plausible that he might say it's run his course and Portland, like with no bad blood might be like, yeah, we're not, we're not going to win big this way or, or bigger than we currently are this way. Um, so let's let's call it and send Dame to a spot where he could potentially compete for a title. Now, unless New York finds a way to get a third star, I'm with Alex. This is not a spot where they could potentially win a, a title. So if you make that move, I think whether it's whether it's Cat or Beal or, or someone we're not even thinking of yet, you, you kind of have to have that name in mind. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's maybe that's your pitch to Kawhi. It says, hey, come to New York and be the best player on a team. With Dame Lillard, who and and Paul, not that Paul George has been bad this postseason, but a guy at least offensively who's on a completely another level. Plus Julius Randle, uh, do it in MSG, which which relative to the Clippers on a whole another level in terms of environment and hype and the amount of appreciation he would get to win. Um, that's your pitch, and maybe maybe you can walk in and make something happen there. Um, now with the Clippers turning things around, well, I guess I guess actually now they're a game from elimination, so maybe that's increasingly plausible if, if they go out in round one. My instinct on, on Kawhi is still that he'll probably want to stay to L.A. because it seems like he went there not, not because the Clippers were um, uniquely positioned to win a title, but more so because he wanted to live in Southern California. So that, that, that's kind of a question mark. But the, the point being, uh, no on D'Lo and with Dame, you, you should do it if, if you can. But you got to have that third star in mind because if not, you're, you're sort of selling the farm for not really having a chance. But for an organization in the Knicks who – genuinely hasn't had a title worthy team in, in two decades. I, I think it's I think it's worth that gamble, even if you have to sacrifice the, the youth to get there. And, and that sounds counterintuitive to what we've all been preaching for years and years and years, like where it's like the Knicks need to stop star hunting. But that was always kind of bullshit. The, the, the real thing was that the Knicks needed to stop star hunting unsuccessfully. So that, that's that's kind of my answer there, Victor. Cool. I respect all that. Um, I do want to throw in one thought about the D'Lo thing. Uh, if he wasn't like a main option, obviously he's better than Peyton. Nobody here's gonna ever argue with that. Um, do you think he'd be a good fit? And like, obviously they need to get somebody else. Um, so you mean like as far as uh, so you said not a main option yet? 
isn't that that's kind of where he's at in Minnesota right now, right? Like, would would him and Randall be too much different than like him and Cat potentially? I guess would be my argument there. Granted, I think Randall's definitely better on defense than Cat, but I mean, I'll, I'll throw that back to you. Like, what do you think as far as as far as him? Because I I think now we finally kind of seen him with like, and I, I I mean, I guess it was also that case in Golden State, but. Golden State was just weird because he was never a good fit with Steph because they're both, like, guys that need the ball in their hand. Um, But I I feel like he needs to be kind of the main option to be successful, mostly. And I guess he sort of has the situation now with Cat where, you know, he's, he's like, the secondary option, so to speak. But they also had trouble being on the floor together this year. But I don't know. What what are your thoughts about that? Because I I feel like we just saw the experiment kind of play out. And it's sort of, like weirdly in a way on offense kind of similar to how things I think would go with the Knicks considering that Cat is a a perimeter oriented big and like their main source of offense on the team and you know D'Lo kind of did his thing as the secondary guy but they still weren't very good I guess is my overall assessment there so I'm thinking more of like having him as like a tertiary guy so because okay. When I think of Cat, like, honestly, I don't think of him as the most humble cat, no pun intended there. Um, <laughs> out, And so, like, with Julius Randle being the floor general, he would probably be able, and probably Coach Tibbs as well, like, to mitigate some of, you know, D'Lo's personality. That's what my hope would be if we were to get someone like that. Not like he's the one option I want, but if he's who we're able to get, you know? Yeah. yeah, I guess I think all, all I would say is I think I think quickly is is already the guy in that role. And if the Knicks didn't have quickly, like let's just say they had taken someone like Halliburton um, earlier in the draft, and, and I don't know who got whoever else at twenty four. Um, I think you could you could talk me into it a little bit more, but I think he's sort of your guy of the future. That's fine in terms of like off the dribble three point shooting guard who's gonna domineer the offense and, and quickly uh, unlike um unlike D'Lo is extremely engaged on defense and I actually think um as he continues to get stronger is a chance to be really a, a plus on that end and D'Lo it's just you, you kind of know what he is and I just think again if he's anything other than a sixth man which if he's willing to accept that I think he could have a lot of values like a Lou Will type guy and maybe even a better version of Lou Will uh, on the right team but if he's a starter for you he's just he's just not good enough on on offense to justify his defense. Like we, we see a similar thing with Trey young, but Trey is such a transcendent talent offensively that he, he compensates for his deficiencies on that end. Um, D'Lo I think is, is kind of in a similar mold, but just not like a notch below that talent wise. So that, that's sort of the difference in my mind. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You, you've taught me into that. All right. All right. Cool. cool. All right. Thanks, thanks a lot. For, Victor. for sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for, that... thanks for doing this. Oh, yeah, of course. Do you have anything to add before we send you down or any social medias or anything? Uh, Not really. I'll, I'll plug in my boy John's social media. He's actually uh, the guy that got me into basketball since I don't think anybody would really want to follow me. Uh, he's at the real Sisu, and he's the Knicks fan also. Cool. All right, man. Thanks for thanks for popping up, and uh, hopefully see you next week too. Yeah, for sure. All right. Later, man. All right. Get Victor down. We got one from Jason Meredith waiting here. Thank you for being patient, Jason. Getting them up. Hey Jason, guys, you're on. what's up, man? How you doing? Good, good. Um, I want to defend Tibbs a little. I think he's getting uh, 
an unfair label by a lot of Knicks fans. I don't know if it's necessarily in this chat, but on Twitter, um, mostly with the adjustments cr- criticism. Um, I think he made a lot of adjustments with the exception of not going small. They just failed. And, yeah. and then, and when they fit, I, and I, I, I write on Twitter a lot. I'm like, you know, adjustments are not only things that work. There are things that fail too. <laughs> so I think he tried running Randall, have Randall be a pick and roll ball handler. He ran a ton of pick and rolls with Randall. He tried running Reggie Bullock off of screens to get Trey Young in action. It just didn't work. <laughs> and, um, yeah. one of the most first, and I think a lot of it was execution. Like I was screaming at the TV watching the games and it was because I was like, why are they not, why are they doing the wrong thing? A lot of times they just didn't make the right read. And Randall drove me crazy because the one play that the Knicks were getting a lot of good results from was the pick and pop with him and Rose, except that Randall would not take the three. He would pause, let Gallinari come close and then take a step back three. <laughs> yeah, so that's handy. There was really there was no coaching adjustment you could make to get rid of Randall being tentative. Um, yeah, I mean, like a lot of times, like you know, and it's not. I mean, I'm not trying to bash on Randall because he was great this year, but like it's another level when you get to the playoffs and like he's not LeBron James, where LeBron James always knows the right pass to make out of the double, you know. So yeah, I think um, we saw we did see some of that, um, you know, during the. During the playoffs, like that ran, I, you know, I think he just, I, I think the biggest thing, and I, I said this on the show, I think today too, or, or maybe I forget why I said this, but whatever it, he got, a he got something thrown at him in this series. Randall did that. He hadn't really seen the entire to be, season. To be honest, he's probably not going to see it. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do next in the off season, but he might not see it again ever. Yeah. Yeah, that but like if, one if and the a Knicks half. get better players, like if they get a better, either, I don't want to say point, but if we get better perimeter players, he won't ever be the focus like that ever again, and he never, he really shouldn't. Yeah, like that, it, it, and he won't be getting that one and a half team, you know, that he was getting that scared him off from the rim so much. They defended him like the same way teams defend LeBron James. Yeah, exactly. He's so, just not LeBron James, <laughs> and he doesn't have you know he doesn't have an Anthony Davis to toss it to you know exactly. down in the post or whatever. I know, so, man. Which, Mitch would have been so helpful because with Mitch, you, you can't really cheat off him because all he has to do is throw a lob. Yep. Yeah, that's my but, whole um, point with Mitch. Like that was what I was yeah. saying on today's pod about how big of a difference he could have made. Yeah, I mean, you throw, throw the ball anywhere within six feet of the hoop, and and Mitch will just go go gadget on well, or. You know, how many times did we see Randall take a bad shot and then Mitch grabs the rebound and dunks it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, another thing I wanted to bring up, sorry for cutting you off, um, I wonder who the Knicks are going to replace Woodson with. Because, you know, I feel like the focus going into last year, last season, was all about, like, player development, and they did a great job. Not just, you know, people see player development, they always think about, like, rookies. But it was all player development. You know, it was all – like, almost every player had a career year this year. I mean, you know, so it's kind of – I feel I wonder if they're going to, like, go in a different route and, like, I don't know, try – I mean, the idea of everyone says we need, like, a real, real good offensive mind. Maybe, you know, maybe they hire some real good offensive mind, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I think that – who they replace Woodson with will be pretty interesting too. What what was extra interesting about that is that Woodson wasn't a a Tibbs guy, so to yeah. speak. That was that was one of the three assistants that the the team basically said, "Hey, these guys are going to be on your staff 
Um, yeah. And I think, I think Woody's a really nice dude. Like, I, I think that honestly, he's, he's very like amiable and, you know, yeah. just the type of guy that everybody would love to work with. And yeah. kind of seems like the same could be said of Bryant and of, and of uh, Kenny Payne too. Yeah. It seems like they were like, let's get guys who like when Tibbs is too hard on the players, they can turn to these guys to like ease them through it. Exactly. And, and Woody all the way back to, I mean, He's. I. I still think he's probably the only NBA coach that has truly tamed J.R. Smith, um, which is like <laughs> a a big accomplishment. You know what I mean? Like to get J.R. bought in, playing hard all the time. You know the way that he did in that twelve thirteen season. Nobody else ever really got that out of J.R. You know, even yeah. when he was on those Cavs teams that you know the one even that won a title. Obviously, like his role was so limited on those teams. It, Exactly. Like he just yeah. you couldn't keep him on the floor as much because he just it, through all the lapses in judgment, the famous the famous meme of LeBron pointing at the the <laughs> you know, the floor saying, like, what were you doing with the clock management yeah. and everything? Um you know, so I think it, it I hadn't even really thought about that. I'm kinda it's interesting that you say that because I, I wonder how much the Knicks have thought about that. I wonder if, you know, since after Woody left they went on the win streak and everything. Yeah. I wonder if they if they think like, oh, well, maybe we'll be okay and we can just save the money, or if they're going to go kind of big game hunting for another well, big. I think maybe again. they thought that before the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And now, like, yeah. they're like, oh, you know, now they're like, wait, we actually now we know what we need. Yeah, and it, it could be nice to have another big voice in the room. You know, yeah. to have another respected, like, former head coach sort of dude out there that can, you know, be like, hey, you know. Tibbs, maybe try this, and Tibbs would listen, you know, because I, I think there was definitely a lot of mutual respect between Tibbs and Woody, uh, it seemed like, based off. I mean, uh, there's not too much to base that off of because they were never really even asked questions about one another so much. <laughs> yeah. uh, but based off how they seem to conduct themselves, that seemed to be the case. Yeah, and also another thing, um, one thing I worry about with next year is um, expectations. I don't, We don't know because we don't know what the roster is going to be like, but, like, Next year is not is going to be a lot harder than this year, for the simple fact that, you know, there were four, I think almost five teams that were like terrible this year that we all expect to be a lot better next year, you know, the Pacers, the Celtics, the Raptors, and the Heat. So mm-hmm. you know, we could easily be the A seed, and that that's not a bad season. It's just that those teams were a lot were what we thought they were going to be. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that, that's, I, that's I, one thing I worry about. Go ahead, Gavin. No. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Um. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that's something that, that vacillates every year, and it's why the Knicks can't just, I mean, for, I mean, the point is they're, they're going to get worse if they stand pat, right? There's no standing, I, I mean, uh, barring, like, great internal development from someone like RJ or Quickly, which, which who knows, we, we come back next year, and, and one of those guys could be a borderline all-star, or like, or Obi could be, like, one of the better bench players in the league. I'm, I'm not saying those are things I'm predicting. I'm just saying those are things that could happen, but barring that, if, if you mostly bring back the same team, they're going to slide down in the standings almost inevitably. Because to your point, I mean, Miami's not going to stand pat. They're they're going to try to make some upgrades, and they're they're going to get guys like Tyler Hero and, and Bam could be even better with another year. Uh, Boston, I think, really needed a new coach, and if they get a healthier Kemba, they could have a much better season. And they're they're still a team that I mean, like sneakily, like still is quite a bit more talent than the Knicks, even though the Knicks were better than them this year. It was just oh yeah. Way more time. Yeah, sort of a shit show there. Um, but yeah, but I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think the Knicks have to make improvements. And if not, I mean, next year could be a, like, and this is going to frustrate a lot of people, but 
Um, it could be sort of like uh, kind of between her year in, in that they're, they're waiting on that 2022 free agency yeah. class. They're waiting on the next starter demand to trade. They're waiting on, like, let's just say they take like Sharif Cooper um, in the draft. They're waiting on. I'm Sharif a huge Cooper. Sharif Cooper fan. So I would love that. <laughs> I, I, like him a, I like him a lot too, Jason. Um, and like, like maybe they're waiting on him to come around and figure out the NBA game. My, my point yeah. is like, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm, I don't think that's the way things are going to go because it seems like like all the hints you get from from both like what they actually say and people like Berman and Begley who are in the know is that they're not they're not really interested in having a setback season. They they want to go full throttle. They want to be better next year. So I think to the extent that they can control that, they're going to try and accelerate the timeline and try to make either the trade or the signing that pushes them forward this offseason even if it means like trading two of their draft picks or all of their draft picks. Um, yeah. like no, nothing would really shock me. I, I have a feeling that's going to be their mentality. But if for some reason all that fails and they're like, all right, well, we, we, we hired this, this developmental staff to, to get us better um, to get, and to get our young guys better, let's, let's just focus on that next year. There is a chance that they're worse next season. I, I just want to circle back to the first thing you said because I thought it was, I thought it was a really good point on Tibbs. And, and, and to some extent, like, it, it kind of – this is where it sucks to be a coach. It's because like most people, like, in, including like Alex and I sometimes – like if the adjustments aren't working, you, you don't really pick up on them, right? Because they're, they're not really part of the narrative. Like it's like you yeah. lost. Like you're not you're not talking about like what what did the Knicks? Uh, you, you you talk about some players who played well, but you're not really saying oh what did we do really great from a strategic standpoint in this four one series loss. But to your point, I mean like given the talent discrepancy, like the, it, it's really plausible that Tibbs did some stuff really really well. And, and as a fan, like unless you know the game at an exceptionally high level, you're not seeing the the mistakes that aren't being made when you're losing, you're, you're only focusing on the mistakes that are being made. So I think, I think it's a really good point. And I'm sure at some point this offseason, maybe, maybe we'll give it a few weeks. We'll go back and we'll, we'll look at the film of this Atlanta series. And I think, I think it's something really worth diving into. And I, I do think they did some good stuff to, to get Randall like a little bit more confident and to get RJ going as the series um, went on. And to your point, like, I mean, when Burks was making four threes in the first half to get him in movement, so I, 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 I say all that to, to just give you credit and say it's a good thing you pointed out. And it's kind of our bad for not mentioning that a little bit more. Uh, the, the, only, the only counterpoint to it is, like, I think going big was the big adjustment. And I think they were really, really screwed up from a rotation standpoint of not knowing what their solution was going to be to not playing Alfred Payton. And that was just because yeah, it, was too, it, was, it was too stubborn to do that. During the regular season, if you had a better plan in place, and I think yeah. it, it, it normally would be starting quickly against the Hawks specifically. I really, I, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill, but I think they could have gotten something out of playing Frank, and they were just unprepared to do that. So the only answer was to play Rose, and we saw that yeah. backfire in the sense of, of how it uh, how it hurt their bench. And they kind of figured that out in the last two games by pulling him early and bringing him back in with the bench. But it, it was just sloppy, and 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 based on like. Elf in game one, and then what happened in game three, you were wasting time and, and maybe losing chances at extending the series and, and giving yourself like a Hail Mary chance at a game seven. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I feel like I had one more point to say before I left, but I can't really remember it. Um, oh, and I was going to say, and I'll just say this and then I'll leave. I think they're going to approach this season the same way they approached last season. I don't think, I think people forget that they were trying to sign Gordon Hayward. And potentially Malik Beasley. Um, I think they're going to try to sign players to like what they think are good contracts, you know. And if the players don't want those contracts, they won't sign them because that was like kind of what they did the last offseason. They were willing to sign Gordon Hayward, but they were not going to give him that contract that Charlotte gave him. 
And also, yeah, I think they'll love to sign players, but it has to be on what they think are like almost above value or sorry, below value contracts, whatever. The point is they're worth more than their contract is. So that way, if they want to trade them in the future, they could. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that that's, um, I think that's sort of the Brock Oller way, right? Like that's where you see his influence playing in. Is yeah, that... but people talk like if the Knicks didn't try to, to be better in the offseason. I think they tried. I mean, they, like I said, they were trying to get Gordon Hayward. That's a, that's not a small signing, you know? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, I, I think ultimately it just came down to what they were willing to pay for certain guys, and they get, did kind of a cost-benefit analysis thing. And I think they also figured, too, you know, we'll sign these, these one-year guys and see how the chips fall as far as how good this yeah. team actually is. And then they showed to be much better under Tibbs than – anybody thought they were going to be but i mean i I, that's that's one reason i'm very thankful that tibbs is not the executive because you know if if you believe like the your own weitzman story you know (laughs) where he was he was calling brock Aller hinky the whole season you know and like yelling at him that he's not not the whole season the whole off season before the season yeah 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 yeah. Um, i actually think i think here here i'll say this and then i'll leave again i think if you listen to tibbs after the trade deadline I think Tibbs has a lot of respect for Brock Aller now because he said in the, after the deadline, he was like, you got to respect the discipline they had in the offseason to have a plan and execute it. And I think he realized, like, you know, uh, Aller was right, that we could get these guys and you could – these guys off the street for, like, on one-year deals and you could still make it work. And he was probably like, man, when I was in Minnesota, maybe I should have thought like that instead of, like, going all in. Yeah. And on top of it, they managed to get him – probably his favorite player to coach ever for basically nothing <laughs> right exactly. before the trade deadline too. So I'm sure that that, that helped his, uh, his worldview as far as this front office too. That well, they, they got him both his favorite players to coach. <laughs> yeah. And they got him. I mean, Taj was, I think Taj was always just kind of on retainer for the team. Yeah, and I think they're going to do the same thing next year too. I think he'll probably be a, either a veteran minimum or they'll just like won't even sign him. And then like once the season starts, they'll be like, okay, we'll get you in now. <laughs> they very well might. I mean, I think that's a real possibility because, you know, then you're just you're looking at a situation where it's like, you know, it, it was basically just like this year where they were just like, well, let's try these guys out. Like we want to essentially have a live game tryout, you know, for Omari Spellman for um, uh, trying to uh, Spellman was the guy they cut for Taj. But Jacob, Jacob, whatever, Evans. Yeah, Jacob Evans, Brasdakis, whatever, you know. Like, they'll have those sort of guys on the roster, you know, coming out of training camp next year, and they'll probably say the same thing to Taj. Like, yo, man, just stay in shape. You know, once we once we let the cream rise to the top here, we'll cut whoever's not, you know, not good enough, and then we'll sign you back on again, you know, and you could be our third-string big. Yeah, um, and that'll probably be his last year, I think. And then he'll probably join the coaching staff the year after. <laughs> you would think so, except he just, I think, had one of his best years ever this year. <laughs> so who Yeah, knows? but I mean, he, come on, that body, I don't know if that body could take another year like this year. <laughs> they, yeah, they, might, I, they might honestly, like, Udonis him and just, just keep him on as a quote-unquote player coach until he's, like, 50 or 60. Yeah, him, him and Pinson. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll just see with that, but. Uh, Jason, I got one more speaker request to get to here. Right. So, yeah, th- thanks so much for popping up. Question, are you guys, do, do you do this at the same time every week or is it is it yeah, yeah, generally and I mean I don't see this changing now that we're in the off season, there's no more games to mess it up. Yeah, we're usually five thirty on Thursdays, yeah. All right, I'll be there. Cool, man. Yeah, and if you follow us on the app, um I always make sure to send a thing out to to everybody that follows, like when we start a room, like to invite everybody in. So you'll definitely always get a notification that way. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. All right thanks. Thank you.
All right, guys, that is it for this episode of Locked On Knicks. Thank you so much for joining us on Locker Room. And it's worth noting, we'll have another one for you tomorrow on Sunday. We get into if Tibbs needs someone he trusts to push back on decisions at an assistant coach spot. Uh, Maybe you would particularly bad ones like starting Alfred Payton in the playoffs and through the end of the year. Um, Is Frank going to be better off finding a new team? Uh, We debate. A fascinating hypothetical if you drop LeBron on this year's Knicks, just how good could they be? And finally, do the Knicks need a point guard, and can they find him this offseason? All that and more next time on the Locked on Knicks podcast. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.